0: Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include M&A activity, my interview with Tom Booker and Tom Showalter on how every underwrite is an anomaly, and just what the MBS basis is. Lenders who own servicing continue to peel it off because it either doesn't fit in their portfolio or they need the cash. And the owners of lenders continue to examine various business strategies as we start 2023, with some thinking that it doesn't make sense to remain the size they are. There was a lot of merger and acquisition activity last year, big and small. And I'm told by I am an A friends at Stratmore that 2023 is lining up for even more. Thanks to this week's podcast sponsor, Candor Technology. Cander's patented automated underwriting decision engine, Cognitech, is a state-of-the-art 100% machine platform that can handle infinite loan scenarios. The portability allows clients to plug in the technology wherever an underwrite happens during the loan life cycle, from point of sale to servicing. Clients can instantly scale to match loan volumes, improve quality to mitigate repurchase risk, and boost liquidity. Cander Can do. Speaking of which, I wanted to welcome back to the show Tom Booker and Tom Showalter from Candor to talk about how every underwrite is an anomaly. Not only does it take time and money to create an engine like Candor's, but it's also a science, and mm-hmm. that's got to be mind blowing. We've we've touched on the pivot points before, and and those continue to grow. Can you can you share an overview of what it took to get Candor to its current state?
1: Sure, sure. Let let me just give you. As we were setting about trying to uh, design a technology and a system to to perform an underwrite without human assistance, that was the design goal. And so um, what we discovered very early on is that the underwrite is extremely complicated. And each underwrite for each loan is a unique proposition. So the complexity is in the billions of outcomes In other words, if you start an underwrite as an underwriter, there are literally a billion-plus separate leaves to that decision tree that you could go down. So the challenge each underwriter faces is to go down at each juncture where he has to make a decision, where she has to make a decision, that she make or he make the right choice. And so when you start diagramming out the billions of outcomes and having to make the right choice at at each branch of the tree, you you end up with a with a with an outcome space that's so complicated that standard software methodology cannot address it. So the the thing where you normally specify and predefine each solution to each problem, you can't do that anymore because it's just too big a problem. So we had to design a machine that could think its way through the maze and not just remember where to go. And so uh, teaching a machine how to think like that, teaching a machine, giving it the analytical skills to make to assess the information and make the right choice at every juncture, that was the big challenge. And so creating that analytical engine that could decide there was a problem, such as what we call an anomaly. That anomaly is occurring and now they have to solve that anomaly. So we went from billions of outcomes to having to have a portfolio of anomalies we taught a machine how to solve. And we taught it how to think its way through the anomaly, not just remember how to process it. But even the thinking part of an anomaly, we had to codify, specify and codify over 60,000 anomalies that the system can solve. That's a big number. And that has taken the bulk of five years and $50 million to do. Uh, And we've absorbed 500,000 man-hours to create the engine to its current state. But it was that that understanding that we had to think our way through the maze. We couldn't just lay it out and memorize them, that that the path through the maze was going to change, given new data, given new circumstances. And that each underwriting, again, is unique, not only complex, but very unique. So <clears throat> we had to design a system to go do that. And uh, I wouldn't say it's trial and error. I have designed systems like that before, but they are not for the fan part heart. They're very complex. There's lots of detail. And we have, have a minor miracle that we've taught the people of candor how to handle that complexity and how to solve it on a day-to-day basis. And they're doing a wonderful job
0: you mentioned 60,000 anomalies which is mind-blowing that the machine mm-hmm. can do that I know you you continue to grow can you take us inside the sausage factory a little bit and, and sure how sure. do you how do you teach the machine to detect and resolve an, an anomaly
1: Well, what the machine is doing uh, first of all let's define what an anomaly is so if say for example and this has to do with the three three sources of information that power and underwrite one is the 1003 or the borrower's application. The second is the guidelines that what what the what the underwriter has to conform to in order to be eligible for sale. And the the third is the data. You know what what we're trying to do with an anomaly is is identify a a data defined or a guideline defined problem in the data. So for example, say the say the 1003 the source of truth for the the typical underwrite, the borrower states that he makes $15,000 a month in gross income. But let's assume the pay stub data, and let's assume the borrower says he is a wage earner, so therefore you expect pay stub data, and the pay stub says the borrower makes $12,000 a month gross. So the expectation from the 1003 was that they're going to see 15,000 on the pay stub, not 12. So that missed expectation is the anomaly. So, do you want to go with fifteen thousand with the underwrite, or do you want to go with twelve? Well, the data suggests you should go with twelve. So, candor has been taught how to solve that problem, and it can either solve it by changing the ten oh three to um, to reflect twelve thousand gross income, or it could be changed to okay, Mr. Borrower. Do you have a second job? Is your application wrong in some way? And therefore you have to upgrade the application so that you now have two jobs and two pay stubs that total 15,000. So candor goes down that path and presents to the underwriter and to the borrower what their options are, and then they pick one and then they go go forward. Now, once they pick that option, it, it leads to additional complexity and additional things that the engine has to test for and solve, but nonetheless, that's how it goes about identifying an inconsistency. It, it sees something, it's a, it's a violated expectation. Mm-hmm. And so when the expectation is violated by the data or by the guidelines, th- then then the expectation has to be changed so that it's consistent with the data and the guidelines. So that's, that's what happens when we say we've taught the machine how to think. That's what it does. It sits there and says, where, where, are, where am I missing my expectations? Again, back to that initial, uh, initial example. If the borrower isn't just a wage
2: earner,
1: <laughs> if they actually own a piece of a uh, of a company and therefore they get some self-employed income, now that now the borrower has to change their application to reflect the fact that they get wage earner from one place and, and they're um, a share participant from from an established company. And therefore, it has bank statements and other kinds of data that they have to examine and analyze. So so there are huge amounts of expectations that get set by the application. And then from those expectations, you expect the borrower data and you expect the guidelines to, to be consistent, meaning you've got the right data to support the expectations and, and the, the loan's going to qualify with with the guidelines given that data. And of course, that very rarely is the case. And so when you go through the typical loan, you want to talk about the number of different times you have an anomaly, an inconsistency the engine has to resolve. On a simple loan, it's over 30,000 times. On a complex loan, like a two-borrower self-employed, there's 150,000 anomalies you have to address and solve. So it's it's a huge problem. And that is basically what the underwriters do. They're, they're actually, what they do is extremely hard and requires very very clear and very precise critical thinking skills and they do a marvelous job at it and what candor has done is simulated their critical thinking and put it into a machine hope that helps
0: it does help and and to reiterate a point that we've made in previous interviews there's there's still a uh the the mortgage process is always going to have a human touch, and and the industry will always be a relationship based business. the The candor technology just helps out with the vast majority of the underwrite, freeing up underwriters to spend their time uh, on more more meaningful problems.
1: And and, uh, and it also does one more thing. Uh, awesome. All all of those detailed analyses that are just too hard for for a person to do. For example, the cross-checking of the pay stub data with the bank statement, uh, w- with the application, all of those things. How many how many cross checks does Candor do on a typical loan? Well, it's over three thousand. So checking all those employer names, mm-hmm. checking all those borrower names, checking all the, that data against reputable sources are thousands of cross checks per loan, and it's just not possible for for a, an underwriter to do that. The other thing that Candor does that's so beneficial. Is it takes information from over 40 different potential guidelines uh, and, and applies the one in question appropriately to this loan at this time
0: yeah actually i would i'd would be a, <laughs> ecstatic if i was an underwriter and my company brought in this technology it would make my job so much easier uh, mr booker i want to transition to you you've worked at many places including the government sponsored enterprises How does Candor's technology compare to, say, your time at CoreLogic?
2: Very interesting. Um, CoreLogic is a data and analytics company. I think they would represent, though I don't want to speak for them, I think they would represent themselves in that way. Um, I would say that Cander is a similar kind of data and analytics company. The thing I would say that's different is a lot of the problems that other companies try to solve are fixed problems. You define the problem, you'll go look for the data, you try to find data that's appropriate, try to configure it in fashion and relate it, and you try to come up with a solution set. What we do is we actually take some problems, as Tom so articulately said, that are changing in real time. The data changes, the circumstances changes, the the way the guidelines interact with the data prompt new questions. And so we have to be able to address changes in the definition of the problem, changes in what the borrower is representing in real time and very quickly and very accurately inside the guidelines. That's a very different kind of problem solving capability and one like I've never seen before. So when you, when you really look at a static circumstance where if I'm doing some research, I have the, the freedom and the luxury of being able to define the problem and it may not change, or at least I'm not solving it as a change. What we do, what candor does, is it actually solves a problem that is changing in the moment, in the moment, with the data as it reflects it. So not only is the out, not the outcome isn't changing, the problem is changing, the data is changing, and maybe the desires of the parties are changing. We're handling that as the change occurs, looking for an outcome that we can make a highly precise judgment on. I haven't seen that kind of capability, certainly in this industry, but certainly more in industries that um, that really have uh, a bias towards managing that change. I mean, it's interesting. We don't talk about that change very much, but that's the change that happens in front of a loan officer, in front of an underwriter, in front of a processor, and we don't have good ways to interact, to react or interact with those changing circumstances.
0: Following up on that, how do people react when you explain to them the power of candor's decision and capabilities?
2: <laughs> so the first thing is they don't believe it, and they express that disbelief in many ways. Uh, they'll ask me, so, you know, where are the people? Um, can you scale? How good is your answer? There's just an a, what I would call a a, a, a fact seeking process that they go through and when we say, This is really done by a system. This is not done with human assistance. We make these, we make these decisions in great detail. And by the way, instead of just making the detail, we actually capture the thought life. What calculations and choices were made to come to these conclusions in a way that's accessible. So it's a very different kind of discussion. And to be candid with you, when I get down to talking about the thought life and You you speak to an underwriter or anybody in this business, there's lots of things they think about that they may take a note on, but nobody downstream gets the benefit of that. So, frankly, one of the things that makes a big difference is not just the outcome, but really the understanding that there is a map of what has occurred that is generated uniformly and consistently. And that's where people begin to say, ah, this is not humans can't do this. This is not the way humans work. And it begins to build a bridge from what people know to what they can now begin to expect with technologies like this. That's great news.
0: I want to thank both of you for your time today. I found this very thoughtful uh, and engaging as always. Thanks. Thank you, Robbie. Thank you, Robbie. traders and investors are always comparing mortgage-backed security prices and yields versus treasury securities of similar maturities. That's the MBS basis, which got off to a rough start this holiday, short and weak, with spread sharply wider, treasuries ending yesterday mixed, and the yield curve much steeper as concern over the outlook for corporate earnings weighed on risk sentiment. MBA's mortgage application weekly survey came in up 28% week over week, explaining the drastic increase in TBA hedging by originators. This is the largest single-week increase by percent since the third month of twenty twenty, and we all remember what happened back then. Mortgage-backed securities showed weakness as there was struggle to digest the supply. The rest of the week won't have much in the way of market-moving data, although today we received retail sales down one point one percent, worse than expected. Well, excluding auto and gas, it was down 07 percent, which is a barometer on the holiday shopping season, and. Retail sales are also a big input into GDP. The producer price index was down 0.5%, falling more than expected, and for the year was up 6.2%, roughly as expected. Later this week brings housing starts and existing home sales, but the focus will likely be on financial earnings and any news that comes out of the World Economic Forum meetings in Davos. Aside from retail sales for December, I mentioned that we already learned mortgage applications increased 28% from one week earlier according to data from MBA. Before we get ahead of ourselves, the refinance index is still 81% lower than the same week one year ago, and the purchase index is 35% lower than the same week one year ago. Loan officers know that mortgage rates are now at their lowest level since September 2022, and about a percentage point below the peak mortgage rate last fall. Later this morning, bring December industrial production and capacity utilization, November business inventories, the NAHB Housing Market Index for January, and a Treasury auction of $12 billion of reopened 20 year bonds. We also have a full slate of Fed speakers, with Atlanta's Bostitch, St. Louis's Bullard, Kansas City's George, Philadelphia's Harker, and Dallas's Logan all set to deliver remarks before and after the Beige Book is released in the afternoon ahead of the February 1st and 2nd FOMC meeting. We begin the day with agency MBS prices better by an eighth and the tenure yielding 3.43 after closing yesterday at 3.54%. And the two, you're at 4.12% after the producer price number. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. This one's a little risque, so just bear with me. You know, my man part made it in the Guinness Book of World Records. But then the librarian told me to take it out of there. (laughs) Thanks again to Candor. Candor's patented automated underwriting decisioning Engine, Cognitech, is a state-of-the-art 100 percent machine platform that can handle infinite loan scenarios. Candor can do. questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities? Send me an email at Robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit Robrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.